Welcome. Greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. <clears throat> I was just curious before we got into this, um, if anyone has heard just a real recent update on Amaya Horning. Um, does anyone know how I did not have any contact this morning with, with them at all? Has anybody? And it was, it was looking more positive, Helena. Okay. Well, we praise God for that. I things like this happen. You know, they change our plans, our lives. Um, we all have those things come up where things things happen, and it's a reminder of so many things that we. We take for granted so many times is our own health. <clears throat> I would just like to ask anyone to, is there any prayer requests, anything that someone would like? I'd like, just, uh, I'd like to have a volunteer just to pray. Um, and I would also like to open it up for anyone else that has any prayer requests that they would like to share this morning with the Brotherhood. All right. Do I have a volunteer to pray? Brother Pat, thank you. Let's, let's pray. Oh, great God in heaven, we are very thankful to be here to hear your holy word, to sing praises to you, sing songs of worship, and hear, oh God, what you would have for our lives. Help us, Heavenly Father, to open our hearts, to uh, cut the calluses off so that your word would land on fertile ground and mm-hmm. uh, uh, change. Lord, that your words would change us to behave in a way that would be pleasing to you, to bring glory to you, O oh God. Heavenly Father, please bless yes, our teacher today here. Bless mm. him with utterance. Mm. Help him to feel your loving kindness. Give him, O oh Lord, your words to say. Mm. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the children that you bless us with. What blessings they are directly, O oh God, from you. And Heavenly Father, thank you for turning our hearts to them in love, O oh Lord. And Heavenly Father, we want to free Amen. We pray that you would heal her. Amen. Get all glory, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh Lord, that they would come home uh, soon, soon and very soon, O oh Lord. And uh, Amen. great comfort. And uh, Lord, that uh, you, O oh Lord, we know that you, uh, our lives, our breath, are in your hands, O oh Lord. And we pray, God, that you continue to be with Amaya and that Grover uh, help her, O oh Lord. Thank you. I'd like to you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 5. <clears throat> I uh, was not what I was thinking of speaking on, but it. Uh, since our brother's meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, that we had Friday evening, I, I've been thinking about this subject of our talking. And uh, <clears throat> it's a subject that we hear about different times, but it's a subject that we do a whole lot more talking. In a day's time, it's something that we're doing all the time, and I think it's good for us to consider and good for us to look at what the scriptures say about our talking. I was going to title this message, Fool's Talking. <clears throat> but I, uh, I'm not giving that title yet. 
because I struggled with that even though I had studied along these lines, I struggled with giving a title that glorifies a fool or glorifies the enemy in any way. But I would like for us to, as we consider our talking, and especially foolish talking, we're going to be looking at some scriptures that give us specifically instruction in this. Now, sometimes we say somebody's being silly, or they may be being foolish. And sometimes I think we misidentify what it is. When some, just because somebody is a bubbly personality, maybe they enjoy telling a story, maybe they enjoy laughing, we have a balance of Scripture <clears throat> that God gives us in relation to our talk. But after our discussion Friday, I had a burden is, and, and is that is that we identify foolishness for what God identifies foolishness, and that we identify just enjoyment, fun, excitement, laughter in the right place. Now, it can be one or the other. It can be foolish laughter. It can be a foolish joke. But there was also an aspect that God never intends for us as human beings to walk, or as Christians, to walk around with a long face, with a t never laughing, never smiling, never excited, and uh, as a dry person. You know, sometimes you meet these people that have been through tremendous trauma or experiences in, your, in their lives. And uh, they're like dry bones. They, they're experiencing just a dryness in, in everything about them. They, they can't see a joke. They can't see... Uh, anything exciting. They can't see anything worth living for in their lives. And it reminds you of the proverb that uh, laughter doth good like medicine, right? But, but so, I believe it is sorrow or mourning drieth the bones. Heavy spirit, thank you. I think that's actually right. A broken spirit. Thank you. I'm sorry. I should have had that dear with me. But I guess the burden that I have here this morning is we're just going to take a look at some of the things that God does identify as foolishness. And a question I would like for us each to be asking ourselves is, are we calling and identifying foolishness the way God identifies foolishness? This is a, stu this is a study to me was good. It was convicting in my heart. It was challenging to me. And my desire is that each one of us would make this application. Not to your brother sitting beside you. Not to your... To... Uh, others. But to yourself. And I... Uh, it was also shared, you know, this whole thing of foolishness. is not something that's a young people's problem. It's a parent's problem. It's a universal people problem. And as I would just like to consider our talk, I would like for each one of us, if you have the ability to talk, put these filters and let's, let us be open to what God may be teaching us about our talk. So I am going to look on a negative aspect first. And this is in Ephesians 4. Uh, I said Ephesians 5, but I'd like to read just a couple of verses there in Ephesians 4. Right before that, it says in verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So here we have the two sides. We have corrupt communication. Let not that, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Now what is corrupt? Corrupt is defiled, is dirty, is, is uh, worthless, um, would be some other words we can put in there. Don't let dirty communication, don't let dirty words come out of your mouth. Don't let worthless words come out of your mouth. <clears throat> but everything you say, 
through the use of edifying that minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become as saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks." For this you know that no, that no whoremonger or unclean person nor covetous man who as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye are sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving that what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. As I look at this passage, I'd like for us to consider our talk. And we have in verse Four, we have three descriptions to our talk that is given. And if you notice, it is right after verse 3, which says fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. Let it not once be named among you as become a saint. Right on the heels of that, we have neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. And those are three descriptions that... The writer here is giving to us that are referring to our talk. And some of these other descriptions, like uncleanness, can also refer to our talk. And then he goes right on. For this we know, that no whoremonger, unclean person, nor covetous person, nor an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So these are, these are things that are of major importance if you're interested in inheriting the kingdom of God. If that is what interests you, then we need to be paying attention. And you know, it addresses so many different issues that we struggle with. Covetousness. But we're going to be talking about our talking. So we have the first description of the word filthiness. <clears throat> that word filthiness... Um, I believe it would reference, or it, it, would, it would go back to several reference words in the original of, of something obscene, something uh, indecent, or um, a base, baseness. Uh, the word filthiness is, is a word that... <clears throat> I believe we could, we could say it's from a dirty mind. Well, we're going to keep going. These words mean all similar type things, but he did give us three different words. We have foolish talking. Foolish talking has a simply, simple mean of silly or empty talk. Talk that really is just a bunch of buffini. Buffini, buffini I believe is how you say that. It's the, it's the idea of, it's, it's, an, it's, a, uh, it's a ridiculous, or, and yet it's an entertaining uh, action of somebody. You know, it's, it's when somebody does something that, or, or proposes something that is really not even real, or it's really out of this world, but it's just fun to think about. Um, it can be fascinating or amusing. It's a ridiculous idea. Foolishness has the thought, uh, oh no, jesting is the King James word here. Jesting, he says, nor jesting. Now that word goes back to several other 
several other thoughts, but it can include coarse joking. It can include a re- having being one of a of a ready. Uh, I say I'm gonna, just going to say it like there's a ready tongue. Somebody that's quick. Uh, you know, you say something and and they're quick and coming back. Uh, they had they they respond to conversations in a way of to make you laugh, or they they have a quick tongue and a quick response. Now, just having a quick response is not always wrong, but that that and I think you know what I mean. It's 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 when somebody responds really quickly with something that maybe it's just intended actually to make you laugh. Um, and it's a question that we need to ask. All of us need to ask. How do we react when we are around those type of situations? When a, when a joke is told that isn't, oh, it may seem like, it's not like that's bad, bad, but you know it's not really, really good. Um, it's a joke that has a, is insinuating something that God doesn't want us to laugh at. And then, just looking at the word foolish, just like to think of that, if you look at the root word of foolish, it's fool. And a fool is not a godly person. A fool is not somebody that I want to be identified with. A fool is not somebody I don't think you want to be identified with either. And so, I was, and that's why I was thinking of, as we look at what a fool's talk is, and we break down what God describes as fool's talk. We, we can understand what a Christian, not, not through that, but we, we understand what we're watching for in our conversation. So we know that no unclean person... No covetous, no idolater person is going to inherit the kingdom of God. No dirty mouth person is either. <clears throat> I would like you also to turn over into 2 Peter. I'd like to read a passage there. We're in Peter in our Bible studies. Um, but I'd like to turn to 2 Peter. And I would like to take a... a uh, look at a few things that are traits of a fool's talk. All right. Um, If we look here in verse 8 of chapter 2, it's talking about Lot. He was vexed, and yet he wasn't vexed enough that he got out. And we know the story of Lot. He lived in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He lived there in that city. His soul, his righteous soul, was vexed because of all the ungodliness that was around him. But we're challenged by why he didn't move out, why he didn't draw clearer lines, even in his own family, why he didn't draw lines that... that that changed his actions. Actually, I'm going to start reading verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust into the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise governments. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not a railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. I see three things here that Peter is lifting out as descriptions of a fool's talk. One is, they are not afraid to speak evil 
of authority. They despise government. I would like just to, for you to consider how the media responds to authority. You know, there are so many cartoons out there that are drawn to make those that are in authority look hilarious. There is on, on media, uh, if you have any uh, access to newspapers and online and, and the amount of, of effort that's put into making those who are in authority in this land look totally ridiculous and to blame things on them. I, uh, I was even in at the gas station and uh, there, there was a picture of our president pointing at the price, said, I did this. Somebody had stuck the sticker on. Well, what was, that? What was, the, what was the reason of that? Why, why would somebody do that? They were mocking. They were trying to make bad light. Now, I'm not saying that we walk around defending wrong actions. But as a Christian, do we have, do, do, are we the ones that should be out there passing these kind of things along and, and uh, you know, in our messaging and, and, you know, on social media or even you know, whatever we're doing, sending these cartoons or stories or things of, that, that make our leaders look ridiculous. So what if prices five over five dollars for fuel? Is that a sin? You know, this thing of speaking evil of authority and the government, then it also comes into parents. Have you ever listened to a comedian talking and there, it's, it's interesting. I'm not going to say everyone, but most comedians are guilty of all of these three things we're going to look at. They're guilty of speaking evil of authorities, whether it's parents, making parents look ridiculous, whether it's uh, speaking evil of the government leaders or the policemen. What about our talk when we talk about the police that stopped us. You know, were they doing their job or not? Was, is that something that we, can, that we need to talk in a negative way about them? We can even use these terms of, that, that, are, that are given and these short slang terms that are given to policemen. And I question whether it's respectful at all for us to do that. We have so much emphasis put on today of if you don't agree with something, speak your mind. Have your own opinion. You know, just spit it out. Uh, be your own person. And there's so much emphasis put on that. But all of it really does so many times is works against us speaking words that are edifying. Another thing we see here is those people, these people here, they despise, no, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And I believe that word dignities there is, it applies to, it can apply to, to a governments and the authorities, but it's also dignities as God or Satan. You know, the angels... And he's referencing the account that was given to us in the scriptures of Michael, the archangel, when he was uh, refuting and arguing with, uh, with uh, when, there was that, when there was that dispute with Satan over the body of Moses, I believe it was. And, and he did not bring a railing accusation against him, but he said, the Lord rebuked thee. And there are so many people that in the culture that we live, they don't think anything twice about talking evil of God, of Satan, of 
the Holy Spirit. And I would just like to challenge us in our talk. You know, so much foolish talk that affects us comes out of foolish watching. What you watch, that, that, uh, that, that person or that show or whatever you may be watching, if they're using God's name in vain, if they're using and talking evil or disrespectfully uh, or, or, using, or using a holy subject in vain, It's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. You cannot sit there and listen to all that stuff and not have it affect you. We, the, uh, we often refer to the verse of, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. Psalmist said that. And, you know, we think of TV. And we think of the radio. We think of things. But, you know, our phones can be such a distraction. And there's so many things that can be sent around on our phones and I, I challenge young people, I challenge all of us. If we're watching things where people are not having, are, are not afraid of speaking or using God's name in vain, it's going to affect us and it's going to affect you and your thought life. <clears throat> we also see a third trait is they talk about things that they don't know. And... Uh, that's down in uh, speaking evil of things that they don't understand. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. The world is so full of talking. I, I sometimes start to go out and looking around on the, the internet or information. There is so much information out there. There are so many different media platforms that a person can be on. There is so much out there. But so much of even the discussion groups are a bunch of are people that are talking about things that I for sure don't know much about, but they don't either. And, and, and it's just a bunch of people. It is, it is so many times it's people that are just referring and talking and spewing out everything that's in their mind and are not edifying and building up anyone. And it's all around us. In fact, it's very hard to it's very hard to find people that are doing, let's say, um, putting out media information that aren't affected by these by by one of these three things, especially. It's very hard to find that. And it's easy for us to start accepting, well, I'd like to follow this person who who does this line of work, but I sure don't like his, his language. question I would ask is, is anything learning worth sifting through and continually listening to somebody using God's name in vain? Is it, is it going to be worth that? Is it really going to help you that much? Um, we get callous because there's so much of it all around us. Everybody does it, even people that are called Christians. And so it's always a tendency for us to break down and to relax our standards. But I just beg all of us, if we're going to have pure mouths, we have to have pure minds. What's in comes out. And if we're going to be allowing unpure things of any sort to be coming into our minds, it's going to come out in our language One other thing I'd just like to say <clears throat> in relation to foolish talking. So many times, <clears throat> foolish talking makes light of sacred things. It makes light of the human body. It makes light of reproduction. It makes light of alternative lifestyles. It makes light of adultery and fornication. And there's all kinds of words that are attached to all of those things to make it not seem so bad. If we are caught in the trap of foolish talking, and we realize that these things have come into our lives, 
We have to repent of them, or it will take us down. Foolish talking, and I mentioned this a little bit, always tears down the structures that God has ordained. Marriage. You know how many foolish mother-in-law jokes there are? You know how many foolish wife jokes there are? Or husband jokes there are? Those don't edify. They don't build up. You know, they're, they're there, and they don't build trust. There's a lot of jokes about church life. There's a lot of, of people that are turned off from experiences they've had in church. And they're out there saying all kinds of things. Is that something that we're going to be a part of? Is that something that we're going to partake in? Or are we going to endeavor to lift up in church life the pure gospel and to show forth the love that we talked about even in our, in our, uh, in our Bible study, the love that covers a multitude of sins? So many people don't experience that in church, and they're not focusing on that. But is that something that we are going to focus on in our talk? You may turn over to James 3, and I'd like to shift a bit. I'd like to shift a bit, and I'd like to look at this thing in a little more of a positive light. I just felt like it's something that, that uh, as we consider this, if we don't bring a little bit of a balance, and it's not because the Word of God is not clear. But when we think of foolish talk, if it's coarse jesting, if it's unclean, if it speaks evil of dignities, of God, of authority, of things that God has set up and things that God has put in place, it's not talk that we as a Christian should be a part of. James gives some words here to the to his, his uh, audience here. I'm just going to read two verses here in James 1. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James is lifting out a man right here. <clears throat> That he has deceived himself. He has deceived himself. This is something that we can be capable of. Deceiving ourselves. He says, If you seem to be religious, and bridleth not your tongue, but you deceive your own heart, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm right with God, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, I do a lot of good things, a lot of good works, I give a lot of money, but I don't control my tongue. James says, the scripture says, your religion is vain. And then we flip over to James 4. And it can be depressing when we look at this. Because then the, questions are, the question gets raised is, can anybody, can any, I'm sorry, James 3, can anybody control their tongue? Can anybody uh, control this thing that we call the tongue. Um, I'm just going to start reading verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also able to bridle his whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven with, and are driven with fierce winds. Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts its great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so, that our tongue, uh, so is our, the tongue among our members, and it defileth the whole body, 
and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, wherewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so to be. Doth a fountain send forth out of the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either the vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envyings and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. But the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, of them that make peace. And he goes right on <clears throat> and talks about where do wars and fightings come from? They come right out of our own heart. <clears throat> so we look at this tongue that all of us have. I don't think there's anyone here that's actually cannot speak. And we recognize that this thing is a fool of deadly, deadly poison. <clears throat> it, 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 it can be a tongue that can destroy the world. Tongues have started wars. Tongues have ended wars. Tongues have, it says, set on court. It, 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 is, it is the most powerful thing in your body. Out of your tongue, you can bless God or curse God. Out of your tongue, you can bless your fellow man or you can curse your fellow man. With your tongue, you can sing praises to God or you can honor Satan and the devil. But James is raising a question, and I believe it's a question that all of us need to answer, and that is, Can you tame your tongue? Well, he answers that question with saying you can't. You can't tame your tongue. But I believe God can change your tongue. God can change what is in your heart because he changes what is. He brings the illustration of a fountain. The fountain, a fountain is always down, deep. It pulls out the well that comes from deep within. And out of that well, it's kind of like when you go to somebody else's house and you, you, you put the cup up to the faucet and you, you know, the question always goes on in my mind is, is, is it good water fit to drink? If I don't ask them, is the water fit to drink or isn't it fit to drink? You don't know until you try it. Just because there's water in the hydrant doesn't mean it's good water. But James is saying, can you go have a fountain? Can you have a well that one time you come to it and it's bitter water and the next time you come and it's sweet? Well, no, because what's down in that well, whether it's sulfur water, whether it's salty water, whether it's good, pure water, it's down inside. And that's the same thing in our talking. What's coming out of our mouth? It's just simply revealing what's down inside of you. So if we want to be a wise man, let's show by a good conversation. That, that conversation is our life, but it's also our words. So we ask the question, why does it matter what I say? Well, God is watching but the world is watching too. Young man, as you go into town, as you do business in town, somebody makes a joke, 
about a girl? How do you respond? They do it. Maybe you're around a conversation and somebody makes a, makes a joke about, you know, um, going out and, and having a party time or, or a drink or a smoke or anything like that. How, does it, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? How you respond to that question will can can have the can have the uh, can have the uh, difference of whether that person will just go on and think, "Oh, you're just a normal young person, like everyone else in town is," or that person's different. How you respond to a question like that, or a joke like that? Do you kind of just brush it off, or do we call out uh, the wrongness of that sin? In Colossians 4, verse 6, says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. I like the picture that that gives. Your talk. It's just like if it's seasoned with salt, It'll have an effect on everywhere where you talk. It can either be seasoned with grace of God, or your talk can be peppered with the profanity of the world. So I asked the question earlier, does God want us to walk around with a long face? Like, we all ate a sour pickle. How many of you enjoy being around somebody that just um, would never tell a joke, would never laugh at something that happens? My wife says I'm getting a little bit better at that. She always said I was a very sober, serious-minded man. And... uh, She's had a really good effect on me. And, uh, but I don't like to be around somebody like that, even if they are quoting Bible verses, right? The reality is, God wants us to enjoy life. Now, I do not believe that God is more interested in your happiness than your holiness. God wants you to be holy. But the reality is God created the world. You know, there's a lot of different ways. There, there, you can look at life two different ways. You, I, I made reference to somebody walking around because of trauma that they've experienced, because of something that hurt that they have experienced in their life. They look at everything through that lens. And sometimes we are all tempted to do that. We experience hurts. We experience a bad experience, and we tend to look at everything through that lens. But God has an answer for that, too. Do you have hurts? I do. He says, cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. God wants to take that care, that weight, that hurt. He wants to turn that into a good experience in your life. But God gave us a world... God gave us relationships. God gave us senses. You have five senses. Most of you have five senses. COVID is working against a few of those, maybe. But you have senses, and through those senses, you experience life. And God wants you to experience life. A good food, a good meal, good smells. You know, how many of you enjoy the smell of flour? A, f- a flower, or something cooking that's good and smells good. How many of you enjoy beautiful things in nature? You go out and you can see the flowers. You can smell the flowers. You can touch the flowers. You, and I'm just thinking of my five senses, uh, and you can hear. You can, you can hear the birds singing. 
God, is, God actually made us to enjoy his creation. God made us to enjoy relationships. Your little children, your brothers, your sisters, your parents. God made each one of us to enjoy relationships. Now, I, I do have to admit that, that uh, there is the device that we sometimes call as our communication device can so much destroy us even enjoying. How many times have you walked up on somebody, and this can happen with a good book or anything, but you know somebody's so focused on their phone they don't even have a clue what's going on around them. Or they're so focused in a book. And I'm not saying either one in this place is wrong. But God wants you to enjoy and experience the fullness of, of life. You know, sometimes we keep working with our children to turn around and, and uh, sit still in church. But you know, children are such a beautiful example of just wanting to experience everything. They want to try things. They want to learn. They want to learn how to rip stick. They want to learn how to ride bike. They want to learn how to drive. They want to, they're always wanting to learn. They're always wanting to experience life. They, they, they want to have friends. They want to uh, try new things. But, and that's the way God, I believe, wants us to live in our lives. <clears throat> the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that, that, was, that came, Nehemiah told the people that after they had re re read the law. And the people were mourning. And uh, they, were, they were sorry for what they had done. And he said, and basically he told them, he said, you, let's repent, let's get up, let's eat, let's drink. Let's rejoice because a rejoicing person can experience life. You know, if a person is singing, you know they're happy, right? At least if they're singing a good song. You, if, if your children are singing, you know they're happy. They're not struggling with, uh, you know, something that they've done wrong. They're not struggling with, um, with feeling anger. All of us are that way. If we're singing, it usually means you're happy. Um, where was I going with that? So I believe God wants us to enjoy these things. It's the same thing in our talk, and I, and I know we were talking about our talk, but it's the same thing about in our conversation. Children love to talk. And sometimes children just laugh and find enjoyment in the simplest conversations. And to us as adults, sometimes we look at that and we say, well, that's almost foolish. But let's ask ourselves, um, you know, it, it, it can be just talking and excited about um, something very simple, their toys or their, their, uh, their dolls or whatever it is. They're, they're excited and they're talking about it, okay? But is it impure? Is it against the name of God? Is it speaking evil of dignities? Is it speaking evil of those in authorities? You know, our children are so many times, they can be foolish. But our children so many times can actually help us to see what a pure picture of just simple enjoyment of life is. And, uh, and what it's like. Um, and sometimes, we as adults... We need to just make sure we get off the phone. We just need to make sure we get out of the book and we just experience. You know, as a child, they can't read yet. And they're just experiencing everything firsthand and uh, as it comes. I believe Jesus, as he was here on this earth, I don't think he walked around with a long face. We as Christians are called to be a light to the world. I don't believe, I say I don't believe, I'm, I believe that we 
in our lives, as we're a light to the world, we're going to be happy. Sin is serious. We're in a war. We never can forget that. But God has designed us to have joy. We're going to experience laughing and talking. I believe Jesus did. I believe, though, that as we talk in our talk, we have to apply several filters to that. Philippians 4.8. I'll just quickly, I, I shouldn't have that by memory, but I don't. Philippians 4.8 gives us a number of things that we can filter our talk by, that we can look at, does it edify? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good and pure, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So the things that we need to filter our, lot, our talk by, is it true? If it's not true, is it worth saying? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure and lovely and of good report? Is it talk that's going to lift, up, lift and build others up? Paul gave... Timothy, a challenge. When he was talking to him, and I don't believe Timothy was a young man. From studies I've done in the past, I believe Timothy was probably put into uh, the, the responsibilities that he had. He could have been in his 30s to 40. But Paul told Timothy this, and I think every young man, every one of us, can take this, whether you're young or old. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Paul was instructing Timothy, you be an example of pure talk. Us as parents, we have a responsibility. What's coming out of our mouth? What's coming out of our mouth? Is it pure talk? Is it talk that builds up and edifies our children, our brothers, our sisters? And if each one of us takes that responsibility in our lives, I believe the talk that we have will be pure around. And our children, while they... Our children, they will hear that. And you know what? I've discovered something about our children. They learn a lot of things from us. And uh, every time I see something in my own children, I'm trying to learn, look deeper at myself. So I always want to encourage us... <clears throat> Let's hate the things God hates. But let's love the things God loves. And embrace that. 